Thank you for listening to this podcast by the River Family Christian Center. We pray that this message strengthens and encourages you in your walk with God. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Hallelujah. Father, tonight we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word, God. We pray that you would just give us understanding in this time and in the season for what you have in store for us, Father. Let us have ears to hear. Let us have eyes to see. Give us a heart of revelation and the knowledge of you. And Father, we may understand exactly what you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let me go ahead. You're in Isaiah chapter 6. If you would, please turn over. Keep your finger right there. I'm just going to turn to Ephesians. Just turn with me to Ephesians just for a second. Um, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. Actually, I'm going to start at verse 15, okay? Because I want us to understand something. I want us to have an understanding of why we're doing this. In verse 15, it says this. It says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks thanks for you, making mention of you in all my prayers, or in in my prayers, that the God of our Father, uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, the knowledge of him is very important because as we understand the knowledge of him, meaning Jesus, we begin to understand our role and our part in this. And it goes on to explain this. And it says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the hope of his calling to you? What is the hope of his calling and it goes on here, what are the riches of the glory of, listen to this, his inheritance in the saints. Now, that right there is very important for us to understand. You can go back to Isaiah chapter 6 now. Now, when God created man, one of the things that he did was he created man so that what man would do is that man would have dominion over the earth, right? We see that in scripture. That's what he created man to do was to have dominion. And that dominion means rulership. Now, we are to have rulership not over people but over situations and circumstances. That's why the kingdom was brought back when Jesus came and he said, and he said the kingdom of, of God is at hand. Because he was bringing the kingdom of God back onto the earth, reestablishing dominion back over that which was lost by the first Adam. Can you say amen? And so because of that, what happened was because the first Adam, Adam, was created by God, him and Eve lost their authority, Satan took it over. And when Satan took it over, he now had dominion over the earth, and Satan began to rule. But what God did by sending Jesus was to reestablish the dominion of the kingdom of, heaven, of kingdom of God here on the earth by releasing the kingdom of God here. We all good with that? So the reason I tell you that is because Jesus is the king. Can you say amen? He is the king, and because he is the king, that means that he is the one who begins to establish things. See, here's the reality of it. Jesus is the king. And the Bible goes on to say in, 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 the, in the, uh, the Gospels, Jesus would say, you did not choose me, but I chose you, right? It's very interesting that a king does not, or a, a people do not choose the kingdom they're going to belong to. The king chooses the people. If you look up history and you look up what a kingdom does, the king chooses the people. So when he says that we are his inheritance, he's literally saying we are his people and his inheritance. Because the glory of Jesus, the glory of the king, comes through the people. When you look at a kingdom, when I was in Wales, one of the things that happened was um, they would talk about the queen. And you know, they were just like so in love with the queen. Oh, the queen, we love the queen. God save the queen, you know. I mean, it was just, I mean, I was like, this is real. And they were like, yeah, it's real. So, but what happened was they understood that. The, they, as they honored her, it brought honor to them because it showed them as a kingdom. Now, these were the older saints that understood things way, way back. One lady was actually, I think, in her 90s at the time. And she was like, I remember when Britain was in its prime and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the queen and the king. And, you know, they, she's just going on and on. And she was talking about how great it was. And she's talking about this because she was talking about the, how the kingdom of 
of Britain was actually established and how it brought, it brought such a nobility to everything. And what happened was when that kingdom is established, it brings nobility to the king. Well, when that kingdom is established in us, it brings nobility to him. And he begins to release, we begin to release the inheritance to him. Can you say amen? So we are called to do that. So Isaiah chapter 6, look at your neighbor and say, you're the inheritance of Jesus. That should make you very happy right now. So Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne and high lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken and the, by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I, am a, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one seraphim flew, flew to me, having in his hands the live coal from which he had taken, from the, from the tongs, from the, taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin has been purged. I also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. Look at your neighbor and say, Here am I, send me. That is important for you to understand because you are the one that is the, the you are the one that is available for Jesus, and we want to be able to come into the place of understanding that when things begin to happen and we begin to see Jesus lifted up, what happens is something has to die first. It says in the year that King Uzziah died, when you study out about Isaiah, one of the things about Isaiah was that he had a very strong love. For King Uzziah. And as he had a strong love for King Uzziah, it actually had blinded him from the very truth of who Jesus was. Because he honored the king more than he actually, in many ways, would honor the Lord. And so when Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. And it caused him to come into a place to where now he began to realize how great God was. And many theologians would talk about how. That in, that in that time when, when Isaiah would see the Lord lifted up, what takes place in that is that there is a reality and a revelation happening right there in his midst. That there is something that he is called to. Isaiah was called to be a prophet, but yet he didn't really do anything until he had seen the Lord lifted up at that point in time. And when he saw the Lord lifted up after, after King Uzziah died, Isaiah began to realize... I'm here, send me. He got, he got literally touched and inspired to do something for the Lord. And he said, here am I, send me. So here's the thing. If we are his inheritance, he wants to send you and I in different places in different ways. Amen? If you are his inheritance, when you go and you do those things, there's, there's things that God's called you to, that means that you are fulfilling his inheritance. That as you fulfill the good works he's called you to, yes, there is a reward for you. Yes, there is a crown for you. But you are fulfilling the inheritance by which he has. He has. You are fulfilling the inheritance by which he has, been, he has in the saints. And that by, by nature begins to bring honor and glory to him. So we have to realize there are certain things that we are called to. Look at your neighbor and say, you are called to a land of promise. Now, let's go with, go with me real quickly to, um, let's go to Ecclesiastes. Now, why am I telling you this? Why, why am I preaching this? Because, as we've said before many times, um, we are in a season of change. We are in a tremendous season of change. While I was in Mexico, they came to me and they said, hey, did you hear about the meteor that hit um, um, Russia? I said, no, I didn't hear anything about it. And they're like, yeah, a meteor hit Russia, took out a thousand people, and, or, hit, or injured a thousand people, or however it was, and took out this plant. And I'm like, I never heard anything about it. And they were like, yeah, it just happened last night. You never saw it. I'm like, no, I never saw it. And uh, I'm, I've been here, you know. And so they were talking about this, and there's so many things that are happening right now in our world. And we have to realize, not that we're scared of any of those things, as I said last week. We're not afraid of it. But it reveals to us, that means that I have things by which God has called me to. 
And whatever he's called me to, it, 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 it's not that I'm looking for the newest, latest, greatest, or that big thing. I'm looking at whatever it is right now. The reason I say that is because I ha- I've, I've talked to some Christians, and this is kind of a, an underlying current, and they say that I wish things would go back to the way it was before COVID, before this happened, before that happened. If we could go back to the days before social media, if we could go back to the days when we were in power as a, as a nation and we had the ultimate power and all this stuff, I've heard, I've heard all this. These are things that have been said to me. Here's what, here's what Ecclesiastes says. Let's go to verse 8. Ecclesiastes says this. It says, the end of a, of a thing is better than its beginning. So right there, that gives us hope. Look at your neighbor and say, that gives me hope. So, so the, it goes on and says, the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the, in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. So there are things that God still called you to. Because it says here, the end of the thing is better. So I'm looking at the end of my life will be better than, this, than where I'm at right now. Can you say amen? I'm looking at the, at the end of my life. As I get closer to the end of my life, I should see the, the greater things coming ahead. So that means as I'm growing, I mean, we never stop learning. We never stop growing in Christ. If we think we've grown at all in Christ, then that means we've already arrived. At that point in time, we might as well leave, right? Because if you've arrived, that means you've left. Follow my common sense, guys. And so what happens is this, is that God's calling a people to understand that at the end of our days, we're going to see greater things at the end of our days, but we have to have wisdom concerning this. It goes on here in verse 11, it says, wisdom is good with an inheritance. Number, notice now, we are his inheritance. Yeah, we are his inheritance because it says, be able to find the glory of the inheritance of, of him. And so it goes on, it says, for wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Consider the work of God, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider, surely God has appointed this one as well as the other, so that man can find out that nothing that will come, so that man can find out that nothing will come after him. So, you see, the reality is, is that God is wanting us to get into a place where we are looking ahead and we're understanding. The Bible would go on to say, I believe it's in Psalm 90, Psalm 90 or Psalm 89, where it says, teach me to number my days so that my, my heart may attain wisdom. Why, why would it say that? Because there are things that we need to realize. We have days ahead of us. And so because we have days ahead of us, we need to look ahead and we need to say, okay, God, I want to be able to fulfill the inheritance my part of the good works you've called me to, to be the inheritance for you so that you will receive glory from me. And that means that there's good works that God has for you. And that good works requires us to go. Look at your neighbor and say, here I am. God's going to send you. See, it's always easier to send somebody else, right? Now go with me to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. I want to lay this foundation because this is going to be a short series. It'll probably just be this week and next. Um, But I want us to understand, see, we're in a season right now where we need to realize, we need to have eyes to see. God still calls you to so many different things. We're not done at this point in time. We're not done at all. But what God's done is he's awakening the church to begin to realize that certain things have to happen for us to be able to inherit our promised land. When we inherit our promised land, when we inherit what God has called us to, and when we inherit that, that brings glory to him. So that at the end of our days, what we have done in our time here on the earth, when we stand before him, it actually is a glory to him because we are his inheritance. Can you say amen? That means that we're going to begin to do things for him, and we should look every day to be able to do things for him. Now, whether it's leading somebody to the Lord, praise the Lord. Whether it's, it's, it's uh, praying for someone, praise the Lord. Whether it's ministering to someone with, 
who's down, who really needs, a, who needs ministry, praise the Lord. Whether it's just being a sounding board, praise the Lord. Whether it's being paying for someone's gas, someone's groceries, praise the Lord. Whether it's be giving someone a meal, whether it be baking them something and taking it to them, whether it be blessing somebody with something, whatever it may be, it may be doing whatever it is, and however it's done, we do it all for the Lord. And as we do, what happens is it brings Him glory and honor. But when we're too busy, there are things that begin to take place. Now, if you noticed last week and the week before, I talked about when we stand before the Lord, how we're not to babble, how we're not to be unwise with our words. And we need to be ready and prepared as we come into the sanctuary to begin to behold the Lord. Everybody remember that? So what happens, though, is that as we are prepared in those times, we realize more and more that we are standing before the Lord all the time. We are the sanctuary. We are being prepared in these times. But something has to happen. And I believe this is what happened this past Sunday. I, I watched online a little bit uh, from, from Mexico. And um, I could only watch for just about, uh, about an hour. And then I had to get ready to go. But the thing that struck me so interesting was that the, re the, the repentance that took place here. And as the repentance took place here... What that begins to speak of, see, when we repent of something, we turn away from something. And as we turn away from something, whatever that thing was that we turned away from is to die. Does that make sense? And so we turn away from something, that thing back there is now something to die. It, it has to die in order for us to move forward in the Lord. And so whenever we repent of something, we're coming back to our original intent. And one of the things that God wants us to understand is that in these times, one of the things that marked out the early saints and even the saints who have gone home to be with the Lord in the past, say, 10 to 15, 20 years, that were absolutely phenomenal saints. And I'm not talking about the celebrity saints. I'm talking about those who actually were nobody knew about, but when you got around them, you knew they had been with God. One of the things that marked them out for the things of the Lord was that they made him a priority. They made the call that he had for them a priority. And what happens is when we understand that, and it's not a legalistic thing, but when we understand that we make him a priority, then what happens is we prioritize our day according to what his kingdom come means. Can you say amen? So I have to go to work. I know I have to go to work. I know it's part of my day. So that's a priority, right? I have to be to work on time. Getting up to be to work on time is a priority. As I get to work, to, as I get up to be to work on time, I also realize and there's a priority that God has for me in this time. Maybe I'm not, I'm not working right now. Maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm retired, whatever it may be. So I realize, though, that there's something that God has for me each and every day. And it doesn't have to be something, we, we look for the, the mystically awesome thing, but the reality is it may just be praying for someone in, in a Walmart, maybe praying for someone at Family Dollar or at IGA, maybe calling somebody up. And witnessing to them. It may be just praying for them at home. It may be getting a revelation from the Lord. It may be sharing with someone. It may be holding the grandkids and loving on them, training them up in the things of God. It may be talking to one of our, our, our teenagers and having to give them the truth of who Jesus is. However it is, however it is, we want to do it for the Lord. But the distraction had to die. See, so Joshua chapter 1, it says this, it said, now listen to this, after the death of Moses, again, there someone died. Remember, we would read about in Exodus 32-33, Joshua would go with Moses to the tent of meeting and he would stay after Moses would leave. He would stay in the tent of meeting. And it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' Moses's assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. I mean, you know, God spoke with Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And he's telling Joshua, Moses is dead. That's it. He's dead. Now we would say, man, that's really harsh. But see, he was trying to get across something. Now, therefore, arise. In other words, don't be on your face now. Now's the time to get up. Now's the time to keep moving. See, some people look at the past and say, well, I wish this, things would be like that. It's not going to be. I wish we wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have had these bad experiences. It's, it happened. I wish this stuff wouldn't have happened. It did. But the end of the thing will be better than the beginning. But we have to be wise according to what the Lord is saying. And we have to hold true to the times and begin to realize that thing is dead. Because that thing is behind us. So now we're moving forward with the things of God. 
Can you say amen? So people would say, well, I wish this could happen or I wish that could happen. Man, I remember when those church services were like this. And can I give you a little secret that I've discovered? Can I just give you a little secret I've discovered? When I, when I would say, man, I wish we could be like have those types of church services or I wish we could have had a, those types of church services. Man, I remember when the glory of God, the presence of God was so strong and this and we had services for this many hours and we did all these things. When all that stuff, would, when, when all that stuff was saying, when I was saying all that stuff, I didn't realize at the time that what I was actually doing was regretting the current time that I was in so I was no longer having effect for what God had called me to now because I had lived in the past. Does that make sense? And so I was trying to find something in the past, having more joy in the past, than I was being prepared for what he wanted to do now. And so I would come in at times. See, we would go out to Whitehorse, and we would get rocked in these services out there. And I'd come back, and I'd be like, man, I just wish we could have had that kind of glory here. And I wish we could have... And the reality was, he was preparing us. And so there was no point in saying, I wish I could, have go, I could go back. It was a reality of saying, there's wisdom in what we're doing right now, being prepared right now for what he wants to do right now and in the future. And so there's a preparation that has to happen. So he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And then he says, now arise and go to Jordan. You and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Now see, Joshua loved Moses. He loved Moses. And he could say, well, I just wish I could do it like Joshua, he, or like Moses. He's not going to do it like Moses. He's going to do it like Joshua. You're not going to do it like someone else. You're going to do it like you. You're not going to be able to have that testimony. You're going to have your own. When people say, well, I wish I could give thousands of dollars, you're not going to be able to give that kind of, have that kind of testimony right now if you've only got $20. But if God tells you to give that $20, then that means that's just as great a testimony as those who have gave the thousands of dollars. Amen? So we don't want to look at things and say, well, this is, and measure it according to amount, according to stature, according to celebration, because in the eyes of God, eternity measures things completely different than men do. And when we realize that, we begin to understand, then that means that we have a promised land. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a promised land, and God wants you to go to it. And he says this, he says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I, will give, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Now, why is that important? Because one of the very first things that he told Adam and Eve was to have dominion. So, not to rule over people, you know, there's crazy teachings out there that you got to be subservient to me, and you got to carry my Bible, and you got to, you know, I mean, I'm the man of God, and I'm not against anybody in the fivefold ministry or in, in ministry, I'm just saying there's, there's some teachings that are out of balance. If I need you to carry my Bible, get me to a hospital, because I'm in really bad, bad shape, guys, okay? So, what happens, though, is this, is that when we understand that that in these times, that every place I put my foot, I'm taking ground for the kingdom. And that means I have to look with expectation. You have to look each day with expectation. And what we do is sometimes we begin to be impatient. And we want that what we're expecting for to happen right now. But that's not how it works. He is working something within us that begins to give us wisdom. Because if wisdom is easily attained, it's not real wisdom. Wisdom that is attained by the word of God begins to teach us over time he begins to do that great thing because the end of the thing will be better than the beginning. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but we're not against time. We're not impatient, and we're not saying, well, why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? Look over there and look what they have. Look over there and look what they have. Look over here and see what they have. They have this new vehicle. Why can't I have a new vehicle? No, 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 no. That's foolishness. We need to look straight ahead and say, okay, this is what we need to do. So it goes on here. And it says, from the wilderness of Lebanon, I'm sorry, from the wilderness, and this Lebanon, Lebanon, as far as, as, far as the great sea, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As, as I was with Moses, so I also will be with you. But, I'm sorry, I will, let not, I will not leave you, 
nor forsake you. Be strong and be of good courage. For this people you shall divide as an inheritance. There it is again, an inheritance. The land which I swore to, the fa- to, the, to their fathers to give them. Why is he fulfilling the promise and the covenant? Because a benevolent king fulfills his word because his word is put above his name. So if he said it, he has to do it. You guys remember when John the Baptist had to be beheaded and, and the king, he regretted it because he told that girl that did the crazy dance for him that you can have anything, whatever you want. And she said, give me the head of John the Baptist. And he had already said and committed out of his mouth, you can have anything. And because his word was above his name, he had to fulfill it. Does that make sense? And so what ha- was happening here is God is fulfilling his word because he, because he put his word above his name. We see this, at, and again, at the end of this. I mean, the end of this is better than the beginning, right? You read the end of this, and you're like, woohoo, we win. Praise the Lord, right? So the end of this is better than the beginning, and the end of our lives are better than the beginning because that means there's something greater that God has called us to. He says, um, he says, uh, it says, I'm sorry, verse 7, Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Now let me say something. When we are talking about, this is in the Old Testament, now we got to take it through the New Testament, and we understand then that the reason that Jesus would the reason that Jesus would come and be here for us is so that we could be focused on and have priorities where God has called us to. Many people don't have the focus and don't have the priorities for what God has for them because they're so busy with the distractions that are here on the earth, and because the distractions that are here on the earth have caused them to step into a place of being literally idle, at that point in time, they're no longer able to be in their land of promise because they're being distracted and they're being held back. Does that make sense? Um, Several years ago, the Lord gave me this dream. Anybody know what a Brahmin bull is? A Brahmin bull is the big, the bulls that have the big, huge hump, and and they're, they're really massive bulls. They're like from further down south. A lot of, they have a lot of them in Belize. But these Brahmin bulls are known to be really wild, really mean. I mean, they're just a mean kind of animal. And having grown up on a farm, having raised Angus bull, but I had this one steer for uh, 4-H one year, and he was a Brahmin-Angus mix. And he was a big, big steer. And I remember one time he had started, I, had a, I would always use a chain halter on him. Because if I didn't use a chain halter, he would absolutely burn my hands when he went to get away from me. So I'm leading him one day, because you have to exercise a steer twice a day if you want him to have, you know, good weight and everything, good muscle tone, all that stuff. And so I'm leading this, this, this Angus Brahmin steer one day, and he decides, I've had enough of you. And he starts to back up, and he starts to spin. Well, I've got a hold of this chain halter. And as he starts to spin, I'm spinning. And I think, you, you know, when our kids are little and we take them and we spin them and we bring them up like this and down and up like that, right? You guys remember that? Yeah, that's what he did to me. And I was 15. And I'd hit the ground and I, and I keep right on trying to hold on. And I'm holding on, I'm holding on. And he's, he's just spinning. And I mean, I hit the ground finally and I went rolling. Well, in this dream, I have this Brahmin bull. And this Brahmin bull takes off. And as he takes off... I have a hold of him, and I'm putting my feet down, trying to keep him from going all the way, getting, getting away from me. And as he starts to get to this edge, what I thought was just a little ravine ends up being a 20-foot drop-off. And he stops right at that moment. Boom, stops. And I look down, I see this 20-foot drop-off, and I realize he would kill me if he got the chance. And, and, and I realize that this, was, this represented... A wildness, a carnality that the saints at times would have. And the Lord spoke to me ever so carefully and he said, let him go. I said, God, I can't let him go. I need, I'm responsible for him. He said, let him go. And I began to see that as I let this bull go, and there were other parts of the dream that went on, but as I would let this bull go, what would take place is he would actually end up becoming so mean that he would destroy his family. And this just went on and on and I began to look at this and I said, Lord, I, I, I'm looking at this, I'm seeing all this, and I began to realize that 
that there's a focus that has to happen. And when we begin to become distracted and begin to become carnal, there's, an, there's literally a deception and almost an evilness that begins to overtake us. Not that we become evil ourselves, but that we get wrapped in an evilness that begins to distract us completely from the things of God. And we're no longer focused on what God has for us. Because that wild nature will try to creep back up if we're not careful. But we, when we keep our focus on what God's called us to, then that time we will be able to keep moving forward. So we can't look to the left or to the right. And I remember in that dream, one of the things that happened was, as I was moving forward, the, 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 the Brahmin bull kept going back. And it was so crazy because in that dream, now my mom has been gone for several years. And, um, um, and I don't, I had it in this dream, I saw my mom. And I don't think my mom represented my mom. You know, God will use types and shadows at times to speak to us in our dreams. And in my dream, I saw my mom, but I knew it wasn't her. And I'm not like um, 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 trying to communicate with the dead. She's with Jesus. She's good. Praise the Lord. Right? So, but I knew that, I knew that, that she didn't represent my, my mom. But she looked at me and she said, as I'm moving forward, she said, Dean, you can't look back. She said, if you look back, you're going to be distracted and you're going to miss the steps ahead. And I looked at this scripture here, and I'm realizing more and more that, folks, we can't look to the right or to the left. These are the days we're in right now. you got to look straight ahead. Not that you can't plan out your day. We absolutely do. But we, always, we are always available for when the Lord begins to move on us at certain times. We listen to the rhythm of the Spirit, and He begins to speak to us. Maybe He'll move upon us to pray for someone. Maybe He'll move upon us to do something. Maybe we'll be put in a situation where we may have to give a testimony for our faith, a reason for our faith. He may put us in those places. You may have a boss that you may have to go through some persecution or some co-workers that you may have to go through some persecution. But in the process of that, that is in of itself part of the will of God for us because as we do, we are dispensing the grace, the fragrance of God as we do because we're showing the love and the nature of God. Now, why am I telling you this? Because the church has been distracted. The church has been very distracted. And I believe, and I'm not saying this about everyone in here, so nobody take it as a rebuke. I'm just simply saying, there's been so much going on, it's been easy to get distracted. And we have to be in a place right now where we're saying, I'm not looking to the left and I'm not looking to the right. I'm looking straight ahead at what Jesus has for me. And as I'm looking straight ahead at what Jesus has for me, I'm not going to say, well, that time was better back then because it was easier and I didn't have to focus as much. No, no, no. These are the days we're in now. The end is going to be better than the beginning. So that means we're going to grow in wisdom. We're going to grow in some things. There's grace here for this, but we're going to be focused right now. We're going to be prioritized on what God has for us. And as we're prioritized on what God has for us, we're not going to look at other people and begin to judge them on what they're doing. I don't have time to do that. I mean, I don't know about you guys. If you got that much time to do that, you're not busy enough then. Call me up. We have a lot of things we can do together. So, but what happens is, is that God wants us to understand that we are, in going into, we are going into a land of promise. So we need to be ready in this season. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going into a land of promise. Look at your neighbor and say, there's some giants I need to take out. See, no promised land is, is a, you're never able to conquer a promised land without taking out the giants first. You're going to have to take out some giants, and that means, you know, hey, we just said, here we are, Lord, send them. Guess what? Your friend volunteered you. You're going. Amen? Praise the Lord. Go with me to, go with me to uh, 2 Timothy. So in 2 Timothy, we see this. We say, well, how do I possess my promised land? How do I step into that place of promise? How do I do this? Well, I am a big word guy. I believe we should absolutely be in the word of God. I believe, excuse me, I believe that every day you should be in the word of God. You should be in prayer. I'm not saying for hours and hours on end, but I'm saying that we should be in the word of God and that we should know it because it gives us wisdom. And the, Lord, the word of God will speak to us. You know, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, right? Well, this Word is illuminated to us by His Spirit, and we begin to understand what He wants because He begins to give us, He speaks to us by His Spirit. He begins to give us a leading, and He begins to give us a perception, and He may speak to us in the Spirit, in our spirit, or He may speak to us audibly. Someone may prophesy and communicate it to us. Someone may speak to us in different ways, but 
Either way, it may come by a dream. Someone had a dream for you. You had the dream. But God will begin to speak to you. And he'll begin to lead you in this if you ask him. But you have to ask him. Okay, if, um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, remember how we talked about don't look to the right or left? Let's go on here. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase more and more. They will increase, they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like a cancer. So we don't want to be a part of that. We don't want to be a part of, un, uh, to, uh, of, of ungodliness. We don't want to be a part of idle babblings. And just like I talked about last week and the week before, we want to make sure that we understand what we're saying before the Lord so that we have an awareness of eternity. I mean, I, I pray right now that the Lord would give us an awareness of eternity. Amen? I pray right now that we would have an understanding of what is coming ahead in eternity and that no matter what the days look like ahead, eternity is always better. Amen? Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to try to get through this teaching here. Um, but I, want to, I really wanted to get through this for us today. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse, um, um, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So you see here that the word of God begins to dissect us. The word of God begins to reveal to us. The word of God begins to show us. Can you have your coat with you? Can you, can you come up here with your coat on? So... Tony comes, Tony is, it represents all of us, okay? And so what his coat represents is soul. What he represents is spirit. And what happens is, is that soul wants to always be comfortable. Soul wants to do whatever soul likes because soul is often guided by the flesh. But unless you allow the word of God to cut away soul, we will always be guided by it. Soul tells us, you know, that extra third bowl of ice cream won't hurt you. Soul tells you that, you know, fourth piece of pecan pie, which is the rest of the pie, is good. You'll be all right. We'll walk extra after we're done with this. Right? So, but soul tells us all these things. But the reality is that soul is the deception. That's why soul has to be divided by the word of God. And soul can begin to try to be spiritual, but not understand the language of heaven, and so begin to get off. I think that person needs a correction. I think they need to know something. I think they need to, they need to realize, no, they don't. If you're already thinking that, I think, I think that's the problem. Because you've not heard from the Lord. Because you have to hear from God in order for these things to happen. And how do we first hear from God? Through the word. We first hear from him through this. And he speaks to us through this. And he begins to reveal to us things through this. And as we begin to speak and, and hear the word of God, then what happens is the word of God begins to divide soul. And I'll go ahead and begin to take half of it off. He begins to divide soul. The word begins to divide soul. And so we're growing in the things of God. And he said the end of the thing will be better than the beginning. So when he had the coat fully on, it represented us, it represented everything that we are or we have been. And as we grow in God, we begin to allow the word of God to divide soul and spirit. But if we begin to get distracted, go and put it back on, it's very easy to put that thing back on because now we've, we've went from understanding the things of eternity to operating in a sense-ruled world. Does that make sense? Because the senses... It's what the world attacks. That's why when our kids go on, hey, listen to me. Talk to your kids about sex. Talk to them about sex. Talk to your grand. T t if you have kids who have kids, talk to your kids and tell your kids that when they talk to their kids, they need to talk to them about sex. Here's why. There are so many things on right now that are taking place in the phone, in the world of, of social media, in the world of all these different apps to try to confuse our children, our kids, 
from what their original uh, um, creation is for. That girls would try to be with girls, guys would try to be with guys. They begin to become confused because they're listening to things that are in a digital world where they're alone and no one is there to watch them or guide them. And I don't know about you, but when I was 15, I didn't exactly have all the common sense and understand everything like I do now. Not saying I have it all, I've not arrived. But saying, when I was 15, there were certain things I didn't quite understand like I do now. So we want to be able to talk to our kids and say, hey, listen. And we want to be able to talk to our, our, our young ones about the Lord. We want to under, teach them to understand, this is why you hold fast to your confession of faith. This is why you hold to the Word of God. The world is going to go crazy. And folks, we've got to be the ones to be able to be anchored in the Word. So, going back to this, the word begins to separate soul and spirit. But if we get distracted and look to the right or the left, we will begin to put the soul back on. And it will begin to be in the driver's seat. But when we get into the word of God and we allow, it, allow the word to discern us, look at your neighbor and say, every time I'm in the word, I look for it to correct me. Why? Why do I look for it to correct me? Because I don't think I've arrived. Right? Forgetting those things which are behind. You, you, you went here, you did this. You went here, you did that. Forgetting those things which are behind. I've still got the rest of my life. And if the end is going to be better than the beginning, I've got a lot of work to do because I'm not dead yet. Right? So that means I've, there's things we've got to do. So I can't look to the past. I've got to look right now at what's going on right now. So I've got to allow the word to begin to slice away. And when it corrects me, it begins to take the soul apart. Because the soul has desires, it's sense ruled. So you've got to allow the soul to begin to be dissected, soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See, the heart is desperately wicked above all. The Bible says, who can know it? Well, when we get in the word of God, it begins to dissect that evil heart and begins to cut things away. So as he's in the word of God, he begins to lose the soul. And as he begins to lose the soul, what takes place is now he begins to grow in Christ. And as he grows in Christ, he begins to realize the things that God's called him to. And here's where it gets interesting, because the things that God's called us to, we sometimes will get nervous and fearful about. Anybody ever been there? You ever been there where you're, when the Lord tells you to witness somebody, and you're like, I don't even know what to say to him, God. I don't even know how to witness to him. You ever been there when the Lord says, I want you to minister healing to that person that's walking with a cane, and you're like, God, I don't even know if they believe. Right? But yet the Lord still moves on you, or the Lord calls you, and he wants you to give, calls upon you to give whatever. Maybe, maybe you have money and savings, and the Lord's saying, I want you to go buy that young family a furnace. But God, that's all our savings. Soul. Sense ruled. That's everything we got, God. Sense ruled. That's saying, I, or, I, I worked real hard for this, God. Sense ruled. It's mine. Sense ruled. Well, see, if I go to the Word, then it says, well, I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. Go ahead and take that off. So now, I'm not my own. and I'm going to be able to stand with the Lord. I'm going to have to be in the place of the Spirit. So I've got to get in the Word and allow that to happen. Because as I'm getting in the Word and the soul begins to be taken away and begins to be dissected away, what now begins to happen is the spirit man is revealed. As the spirit man is revealed, now what begins to happen is faith arises. Not mental assent faith, but faith that endures. Does that make sense? Thank you very much. My last scripture, I promise. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Is everybody okay with this so far? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse, let's look at verse 23. Now, we're, we're out of the place of the soul, we're in the place of the spirit. By faith, so we move into the promised land by faith. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful, a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer, to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Passing pleasures of sin, soul, sense realm. Esteeming the reproach of Christ 
of greater riches. I mean, listen to this. I was talking with someone before we went to Me- before I went to Mexico, and um, they were talking to me, and they said, um, you know, this I'm, I'm at this funeral, and there's things going on, and I have this cousin that's giving me a hard time, and they're making all kinds of accusations, and Becky and I were on the group text with her, and we were talking with this person, and we basically said, this is the, the persecutions of Christ. This is of greater riches than to be liked for being the quiet Christian. Does that make sense? I'm not saying you have to be offensive, but I'm saying your life should represent Jesus. And if you, rec- if you receive uh, um, 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 sufferings for it, that's the greater riches. So it goes on here. Again, moving from soul into spirit. Um, It says, um, esteeming the reproach of Christ with greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Now listen to this. For he looked to the reward. For he looked to the reward. There's a reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So when we step into this. We're stepping into the promises that God has for us. That means that we're preparing for the very thing that he's getting ready to do in us. And that means as we do, we are coming out of the place of the soul. Again, that thing has to die. On Sunday, we had a tremendous repentance service here. And then Caleb preached a really good word. But one of the things that has to happen is when we repent, those things have to die. And we have to make sure they stay dead. And as they stay dead, we move forward in the things of God. So we're moving from the place of trying to see things in the natural, instead of, endure, instead of um, living in the passing pleasures of sin, living in the place where there's a greater reward that's ahead, and so the treasures, the greater riches that we have in Christ, even suffering at the persecutions of what Christians may go through, and, and even what it, whatever it may look like, losing a job, whatever it may be, and able to stand up for Jesus and for what his word says, it's greater for us to do that than to give in to the surpassing pleasures of sin, because we are now looking to him who is invisible trusting in the reward that he has for us and that's where the saints are at today so we can't look to the right or to the left because we'll be in the soul but we got to keep our eyes focused on the word and allow the word to take us through the season being being guided by his word through his spirit that we may be able to embrace the promised land that we he has for us so in order for that to happen that means that the church has got to be ready to say yes to everything God has. Yes to the kingdom. You are not of this world. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. He, he, you did not choose him, but he chose you. That you would go and you would bear much fruit. And that only happens when we say yes to him. So that means that he who began the good work will complete it. The end of the thing will be greater than the beginning. So that means we have a lot of things that we'll look to look forward to. We're not done yet. So we're going to move forward. And though things may look hard around us, we're not focused on those things. We're focused on the word and what he wants done. Can you say amen? I mean, uh, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this before and I've had Caleb talk about it before. But again, Caleb, when he was in the military, if he would have been distracted on a mission, being at the, at the top tier level that he was at, if he would have been distracted on the mission that he had, he would not have been able to fulfill the mission. Right? You have to stay focused. Many people will not be focused in the church. And this is, this is one of the worst things I've seen right now, is that there are people in the church who are succeeding at the wrong thing. Can I tell you that to succeed at the wrong thing is still failure, failure in the eyes of God? Because he's called us to something. I'm not here to, I'm not condemning, I'm just saying, this makes us aware of saying, okay, so Lord, what have you called me to? What, what is it today, Lord, that you want for me to do, this relationship that I have with you? How can I step into that next place with you? How can I embrace what you have for me now, right? Because that's what's important. We want to look and understand that you can have the greatest day and have the most amazing miracles and have the most amazing encounter with God, whatever you want to say, have this great financial breakthrough. That's wonderful. Praise God for him. Praise God. But the reality is, is that those have now passed. I now have to focus on right now. My priority, my priority is to fulfill the will of him who sent me. 
Your priority needs to be to fulfill the will of him who sent you. Who will, who will go for us? Here I am, Lord, send me, right? Your, your priority is to fulfill the will of him who sent you. And when you fulfill that, we then begin to glorify him and the inheritance of the saints begin to honor him because there's greater riches in the inheritance of the saints. There's greater riches in knowing, I mean, I, I can't even describe to you knowing the kinds of, of, of people that, that this little church in Waterford, Ohio has been able to go and been able to help people in many different ways here in the States, yes, abroad, yes, everywhere. But I'm saying that there's things that have happened and there are persecuted nations that have absolutely been able to explode with the gospel because of what we've sent and God has multiplied it exponentially. And the churches that have been planted, the things that have been done, it's amazing what God is doing. And when we realize that, we begin to step in to say, okay, Lord, here we are, Lord, send us, because he'll take our little and he'll make it much. So that the end of the thing will be better than the beginning. And, and it's not just about the church. I don't want to make it about the church. I mean, it's ecclesia. I don't mean the river. I mean the congregation. You understand? Congregation, because if we make it a name thing, then we're religious. But if it's a congregation, now we're talking about the righteous, the congregation of the righteous. Now we're talking about kingdom. Now we're talking about what the king wants. Now we can see that we can literally honor him with our lives and not be an inheritance to him. We receive a reward for that giving it back to him as an inheritance so that the king is continually glorified. Does that make sense? That's, that's what we want. That's what I want. I don't want anything else. Just, it's very funny because in, in Mexico they put a thing out because I'm not like, they, they bring in some other people that some people know, some people don't. They bring in like Pastor Jeff. A lot of guys know Pastor Jeff. A lot of people in Mexico know Pastor Jeff. They put a picture up of me and they put it in Spanish. And it was like, who is Dean Wagner? It was so funny. That's how that, that was their, their pull to get people to come. Who is Dean Wagner? And it was so funny because I had to laugh because I used it because at the end of it, I said, it doesn't matter who Dean Wagner is. It only matters who Jesus is. So when we realize that, it makes it so much better for us to be able to see the end of the thing to be better than the beginning. And if he's glorified, we've fulfilled our assignment. We've fulfilled what we've been sent to do. Amen? Let's go and stand our feet. We're going to continue with this next week, and um, I pray that, that this brings us understanding. I pray that we begin to step into that place to where we, be, where we begin to seek the Lord for the, the promises, because there's a lot of promises He has for us. There's a lot of things that God wants to do in us. There's a lot of things that God wants to do with you, through you, and for you. And when we step into the promises of that, man, it's amazing what God will do, because it begins to release the very purposes and plans of God, however they are, whatever they look like. And for everybody, they're different, but to him be the glory. Amen. So, Father, tonight we thank you, Lord, for this night. We thank you for this time. I pray, Lord, that you give us eyes to see, Lord, what you have in store for us. Lord, let us see the end from the beginning. I pray, Father, that you begin to speak to us of our purposes, speak to us, speak to us of our priorities, Lord. Help us to focus in this time, to not look to the left and not look to the right, but to stay focused on you in all things, in all ways, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful night. Thank you for listening to this podcast by the River Family Christian Center. If this message has blessed you and you would like to give financially or you would like more teachings from Senior Pastor Dean Wagner, please visit www.theriverfcc.com.